What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of LWE Podcast here. Lee Collins here, and I am so excited today to get a chance to talk to uh, one of my heroes, one of my idols, uh, someone who I have a ton of respect for and have always looked up to and uh, has been near and dear to my family and as well as so many other people uh, here in Abbeville and, and beyond. Uh, Coach Mark Smith, how the heck are you, man? I'm good, Lee. Thanks for the kind words. I'm kind of new to the podcast scene, but I appreciate you having me on. Well, I told you, we're we just going to shoot the breeze here because uh, you, you got so many great stories and memories locked up in that old brand of yours. It'd probably be easy to pull out several of them. I don't know how many we'll get of them today, but uh, first and foremost, I just want to talk to you. You know, we're dealing with this pandemic situation, and you are a very, very... Uh, avid sports fan like myself not only because you've been in coaching and all the sports that you've been around but just getting used to how was your sports detox when everything kind of shut down oh it's been awful um (laughs) you know today i was watching the 1995 world series with the braves and uh that's been good you know and the and the michael jordan chronicles i've enjoyed those and uh was always a big bulls fan and uh I've probably read more and uh, watched more Andy Griffith than I have in a while. So I think it's made us all slow down and enjoy family and enjoy a lot of things that maybe we've taken for granted. Well, and you think about, too, is like, you know, just like this week, they're talking about trying to get some racing back started with NASCAR and trying to get some golf going. I'm thinking, you know. I wasn't there necessarily a big NASCAR or golf fan, but you know what? I'll probably be one of the number one fans now because I just want to watch something that's current. Uh, whether the atmosphere is going to be different, we know that's going to be the difference and stuff like that, but just to have something to kind of sink your teeth into. So. Yeah, I'm kind of um, <clears throat> interested to see if they have some sporting events without fans mm-hmm. and see how it affects the athletes because yeah. uh, I think it would me, and uh, I'm just wondering – you know, the golf events, maybe even the NASCAR things. Um, I don't know, this is this has brought about a lot of change that uh, I never thought I'd go through. Well, I know watching wrestling is tough when they're doing it with the empty arena, so uh, I imagine it's going to be tough for a lot of a lot of the athletes and the coaches alike, but uh, hopefully we'll get some stuff here. But I'll take football with no fans <laughs> if, if we have to do that. If we got to do that, I mean, we got to do gotta that. Got to have football. That's right, that's right. Um, well, you know, let's talk a little bit here. You you have such a great and illustrious career. First of all, I just want to say congratulations. You were named this year to the South Carolina Baseball Hall of Fame. I believe you got that call maybe back in January or sometime. Yes, I did. Um, I appreciate, appreciate that. Uh, you know how I feel about it. I'm going in on the shoulders of about 600 wonderful young men through the years. Mm-hmm. Heard a guy say one time, I'm just a turtle on a fence post. If you ever see one, you know he didn't jump up there by himself. (laughs) I am truly a turtle on a fence post with uh, all the coaches and the players that I've been around and the support from my family and this entire Abbeville community um, has really been a blessing. But uh, I hope former players will uh, take a lot of pride in it because they're the only reason that I'm going in. Yeah, and you talk about those players, and I, I remember you saying this, and it might have been in the newspaper article, but I remember you saying this. You probably got just as much satisfaction uh, from all the texts and the phone calls that you got after that news came out. I remember I sent you a text, too, because I was like, you know, this was an easy vote for me if I had to make a vote and recommendation, but um, sure getting to hear from people and maybe some guys you didn't hear from in a long time oh man reconnecting it was a blast you're right i i I told the index i think uh that i told my wife you know i don't need to go to a banquet and get a plaque just reconnecting with all the players and um all the kind words and gestures that they sent my way was uh just a blast so um you know I'm anxious to see. It was uh, supposed to be May the 26th when the induction ceremony was yeah. to take place. I'm sure it's probably going to be put on hold now, but uh, just getting the news was yeah. was enough for me. So, uh, well, you you're know. you're in. So we hey, well, formalities. Uh, <laughs> you've never been much about the formality stuff. You better, That's right. You've always one thing I've always appreciated about appreciated about you is that you've always been very humble, very very um, 
acknowledging of, of the people around you and stuff like that. But um, I think it's okay to say, I, I'll, I'll, I'll take the spill for you and be a little selfish and say, hey, you're in and this is much deserved. Um, I wrote down some of your numbers so I didn't want to make any misquotes here, but 522 career wins as head baseball coach, uh, seven region titles, six district championships, three upper state championships. Uh, and the stat that I thought was really cool. Now, this is not counting football because I'm sure that adds to the stat tr- tremendously. You coached 18 sets of fathers and sons. Yeah, that's 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 cool. That's right. And, you know, it happens so often. Sometimes it might be a few weeks into the season where I think back, hey, I coached his dad. That's him standing over there. Let me run over there and speak to him. Um, you know, just those little tidbits like that. Um, the wins, the championships, you know, I – I'm sure I had very little to do with that. That was uh, great players and coming to Abbeville at the right time. Um, but that is a cool stat, you know, and I and you're right. Um, I can think of a handful more that would up that number in football, maybe <laughs> yeah. guys that didn't play baseball. Yeah. But, um, you know, Abbeville's been a great place. Good Lord's blessed me to do this for a long time with health and strength and like I said, the support of uh, this community. And, and you know, an award like that, I, I never really thought about it, but one of the first, um, I guess, sets of people I thought about was my parents mm-hmm. because uh, they gave up an awful lot to, uh, you know, take me places. That was certainly before the travel ball era, but uh, they, they went to more baseball, football, basketball games than they ever signed up for mm-hmm. and uh, never whimpered if I was playing. They were always there, win or lose. Um, tried to teach me uh, to control my emotions and uh, just be thankful for the opportunity to, to participate. And all that comes back to you, uh, you know, when you get a call such as the Hall of Fame. So I certainly didn't want to leave them out. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, you know, like I remember many times as I've watched you coach over the years, especially when I got a chance to watch you coaching baseball, it took a lot for you to get upset to the point to get out there and, and, and make an argument or, or, or to, to talk about a call, as we, as me and my wife, let's say, an intense moment of fellowship uh, <laughs> with an umpire or two. Um, it took a lot for you to get really upset, but – the one thing I've always said about you when I've talked about you or somebody who knows you that I've come in contact with, they always talk about how competitive you are, even though you may not be necessarily one of the most out there, out loud kind of persons, personalities, whatnot. I know this to be true. You, you've you always been super competitive, and I think that's one of the things that helped drive a lot of your teams that, you, that you've had with you, not only in baseball, but in football as well. Yeah, and... and- I probably fell victim to the fact that I was too competitive at times. Um, I guess there's an old saying, some things that happen in the dugout stay in the dugout. There's mm-hmm. some things that uh, probably happened through the years where I flew off the handle and not proud of that. But hopefully they were minimal and yeah. uh, was able to do something to straighten those relationships out later. But uh, we all fly off the handle uh, in the heat of the moment sometimes. and. Uh, you know, hopefully that wasn't too many times that that happened. Well, I, I remember very clearly when I was at Wright Middle School, back in the day, we used to have student-faculty basketball games. And I remember very clearly there are no student-faculty basketball games that, the especially the faculty, because, I mean, it was you and Coach Goodwin, couple other folks that was out there but y'all took that serious because <laughs> all the guys that I was That's with right. the great athletes that they were talked all kind of smack and everything and then y'all get out there and y'all would just run them ragged <laughs> and I remember you you'd be nobody it's like who covering coach who's covering coach you hitting the corner hitting the three hitting the corner running the layups nobody everybody's wanting to get out get out and, and not even bid out on the court so I remember even in that it was uh, it was fun to see that because, you know, y'all took that so serious where it was something just more, more or less just fun and games. But when it came down to the brass tacks of it, it was like, no, y'all, y'all young bucks ain't going to beat us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, you had something to prove because there was uh, a lot of trash talking leading up to it. And you had to see those guys every day of the school year. Right. So you certainly wanted to give them, give them your best effort. And, uh, you know, back to the baseball thing, um, you know, we certainly didn't win them all through the years. 
but there's 600 some odd guys that came out of that Abbeville dugout that gave us a chance to win just about every stinking night. Mm. And um, you know, that's that's the highest tribute I could pay them. They were, yeah. were always ready to play. And uh, you know, hopefully some of my competitiveness bled off on them, but hopefully not in the wrong way. Yeah. What do you remember about your very first season as a head coach? What, is there anything that jumps out to you about that, that first time that you kind of had the initial control of a team? There? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I remember we had a real good junior class. Uh, Chuck Williams, my brother-in-law now, Darren Hughes, John Lewis, Ryan McMurtry, Jason Aldrick. Those guys were really good players, um, but really didn't know how to win. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I remember my first year, we were six and 12, and we lost six one-run games. Um, we were in a lot of close battles, but Chapin at the time was three time, three consecutive years being state champions. And the last regular season game, we beat them at Height Stadium four to three. Mm -hmm. And that really kick-started us to the next year. And uh, I think we were 19 and six and played for the district championship the following year. Mm -hmm. um, first group of seniors I had, um, Michael White, Bill Detreville, mm -hmm. those guys, mm -hmm. uh, they really bought in and were good leaders and supported me and have continued to support me for the 33 years after, you know. And, uh, um, you know, I, there's nothing I could do to repay them mm -hmm. because they really set the tone. And I think I, I told them at the end of the season, um, you know, you guys are going to be cornerstones for some good things. And, and they were. Mm -hmm. Not that I really knew the future, but I could see how hungry we were to win around here. And we had closed the gap. They would work hard. They were going to, those juniors are going to come back the next year even more competitive. And, uh, and that proved out. Mm -hmm. And so you, you know, very fortunate, very blessed to have the opportunity to to get a baseball field, you know, uh, named after you and stuff. But I, I like going back and talking about those games in Heights Stadium because a lot of people, this new generation, they don't, they don't, they weren't around when those games went on, and they don't remember when you tell somebody they used to play baseball in Heights Stadium. It's like, no, that's always been football. I'm like, oh no, now right. you, you strip away the <laughs> uh, the bleachers. We pushed those bad boys back and back in that little, I called it the little corner of heaven because right. <laughs> it yeah. was back nestled in there yeah. right in the trees. But talk about playing playing back there on, in Hyde Stadium when it was converted back, converted into a baseball field. And, man, it just, it just felt different back in there. It felt, you know, it felt a little surreal. Um, yeah, that's, you kind of nestled away from everything. That's exactly right. You had about, seemed like you had 51 ground rules and lines drawn that's everywhere. Right. But our guys knew how to play there, mm -hmm. and it was truly a home field advantage. The fans were right on top of you. Yeah. And I used to tell our guys all the time, hey, we got to play well enough to get fans in the seats to give us that advantage. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and usually that proved out. Um, I can remember the first year we played at Powell Park, some of the guys on that team asked me, where did where did we used to play? And I thought, man, we hadn't played but five or six games here. Right. And some of the ninth graders hadn't really kept up and didn't yeah. know. But, um, man, what a great place to play. It was a great surface. Um, my and college, it could get cold down in there, too. Oh, it would get freezing cold. It was, <laughs> it'd be 10 degrees colder down there than when mm -hmm. you got back out in front of the athletic building yep. after the game. But uh, the backstop was real close. The fans were right on top of you. Um, the dugouts were close. I mean, you know, you get breathing hard. Everybody could hear it, and uh, it was just – I don't know. I was a Heights Stadium guy. I still am, you know, yeah. but it was pretty cool. I guess we were one of the last dinosaurs to play both football and baseball in the same venue, and, uh, you know, it was just a blast playing down there all those years because – uh, our guys had to invest so much, we had to do an awful lot of work before the first pitch was ever thrown. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know, it's just some great times, fond memories. Um, and to go back and talk to some of the other coaches that said they learned to dread coming to Height Stadium, not only to play football, but play baseball right. too. And I remember one year we played Columbia High um, I guess in 1996, we won the state championship and played in Columbia. We were both ranked one and two in football. Mm -hmm. 
and some of the same guys were walking into the park with me as their bus arrived to come play us in baseball. And I remember one of the guys saying, this isn't the same place, that hill back over there, out there in right center, that hill wasn't there. And one of the other guys said, yeah, it was, it was just covered in people and you couldn't see it. <laughs> and, right. uh, and so, you know, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, I don't know, just, it was a cool deal to play there for so long. We, I think, knew that we had a home field advantage. So we worked real hard to try to get the number one seed. Yeah. Uh, you know, make the road to the playoffs come through Hyatt Stadium. Well, it was definitely a very intimidating atmosphere when it was when it was packed and it was loud. And uh, I mean, people would be standing all the way down the first baseline there. Uh, I even remember times when people would sit in the football side of the stadium to That's watch right. the games and stuff. And there we had some guys come along that could put the ball out there. That's I, right. I still remember uh, my senior year, you know, Tony Terry putting one out there on top of the steps right. where the guys make their entrance for football. And people say, there's no way. I'm like, oh, yeah, there was a way. He oh, found yeah. he found the alley and took it there. But it was just that, those kind of things. It was That's just right. little things like that. Purple stuff, Coach Box, you said. That purple stuff's growing. Well, that means we're going to start hitting. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be complaining, singing the blues, crying the blues. Oh, yeah, we got a good team, but we just need to hit it better. And he said, well, it's cold, Coach. He said, when that purple stuff starts blooming, <laughs> those bats start blooming. Right. They get hot. And uh, I can remember he was right, and we got on a roll. And I remember even cutting some of that purple stuff and taking it to Salute or taking it to Batesburg with us and putting it yeah. up in our dugout. You yeah. Know, and, and uh, playing off of that because uh, that was true. I think I don't know if I sent you that. I think I sent you a picture or something, but I, I had some growing over in my yard, and I sent you a picture. I said, hey, guess what, Coach? <laughs> and every year you see that, you think about Coach Box. I think about Coach Box and everything like that. Um, while we're still talking about baseball, I want to talk a little bit about some of the guys, you know, some of the teams and stuff. You know, I, I, don't, I definitely don't want to exclude anybody and don't want to, Put too many people over other people because, like you said, took a lot of guys uh, that put their effort into uh, to the different years and the different teams you had. But um, I just kind of want to talk about a couple teams. First of all, I talked about the '94 team. That that team's near and dear to my heart because that was those guys I graduated with and our senior year in '94 had a chance to play for state championship. Talk a little bit to me about that team because I remember being in the classroom with guys like Vernon Walton and Venture Belton and Mikey Norris and Tony Temple and Tony Terry. And it was one of the few times I was in class where they were ready to be done with football and ready for baseball. And they were they were hyping up baseball while football season was still going on. And I thought that was, at the time, it was kind of different. It was unprecedented. But it just got us excited because it was like, okay, they're, they're believing – and they really did believe, and that was a really good good sign that they were going to have a good year. That's right. Those guys um, had a good career all the way through high school, but I think they knew they were such a talented junior class mm -hmm. that leading up to their senior year, you know, we really had a good chance to make a run. Um, I, think we, I think we really did their junior year. And uh, just like in baseball, you don't get a clutch hit here and there and things don't work out when you get in the playoffs because everybody's good. Um, and that happened to them their junior year, but coming in their senior season, um, they really thought they were going to be good. And if you remember Tony Terry tore his ACL uh, in football and worked extremely hard to come back and be 100% in baseball. But, uh, you know, and he ended up being the 43rd player taken in the June draft that year, which from a school our size is just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. You know, Mikey uh, signs a free agent contract with the Rangers, but then we had so many other really good players like Tony and Anthony Overholt, Vernon, yeah. Vernon Walton could really swing it and was a smooth shortstop. Um, but my wife used to tell me after baseball season was over, you know, it just, I'd be torn up for so long because the guys would be gone. She'd say, you get too close to those kids. Um, and that was probably true. I probably did allow myself to, you know, they just became a part of the family. Mm -hmm. But that 94 team, we have remained close through the years. Um, I very seldom have a milestone or a highlight in my life that not just one or two of them, but all of them called me. Mm -hmm. And all of them 
hey, happy birthday, coach, or, or mm-hmm. whatever. And, you know, I, some of that is is due to the fact that several of them still live around here. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, what, what I remember about them, and I told the teams after them, it seemed like with that team, um, we were never out of a game. They always believed we were going to win, and there was a different hero every night. Mm-hmm. If if somebody maybe didn't play to their potential that night, um, somebody else picked them up. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the top pitcher of their junior year was Vernon Walton. Vernon ends up playing basketball as a senior, rushes down to the baseball field, kind of hurts his arm. Um, he pitched one game that year. He no-hit Dixie in a regular season game, and, and that's the only time he pitched all year. Mm-hmm. And yet we go on and play for the state championship. Yeah. Uh, get beat best two out of three. Game three mm-hmm. at Sarge Fry in Columbia to a real good Bamberg team. Yeah. A good pitcher, Clint Collins, that went on to play pro ball. But uh, you know that we didn't even have our top pitcher. Our top pitcher couldn't pitch, but um, – that they never let that be a hindrance. There were times that they picked me up mm-hmm. when I was down in the dumps. And um, I don't know, they were, I think they won 24, 25 games, which I think is still the school record. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and back during that time, you couldn't play as many games as right. you can now. Um, but they just but had. Didn't, and you didn't have travel ball either now. That, that's right. That, that's was, right. that was not in the equation. Right. And so this big group of, like you said, juniors, now seniors, I grew up playing with them. They played together for a long time. So the best teams in any sport are the teams that have come up together. That's and they right. certainly had yeah. that to their advantage. They, you know, they were really talented, but they had all the intangibles. I mean, um, you know, they um, wanted to win as much as their coach did. We yeah. get back to that competitiveness. Um, hey, they want to win as, as bad as I did. Right. And uh, – you know, that's that's a good feeling when you have a team. You come to the park. Um, they were talented enough. I knew that we weren't going to beat ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody else was really going to have to get up to beat us, especially in Heights Stadium. We were fortunate to play a lot of games there. Yeah, and they they definitely – they they took it very personal, uh, every game very personal. And like I said, it was great for me because I got to sit in the class and I got to hear all the stories <coughs> and hear all of the, the conversations about it. And they just and constantly challenge right. themselves. <clears throat> and, you know, I, I hear this from coaches from time to time. They allowed me to coach them hard. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> not so much – excuse me, I'm losing my you good, you good. Um, not so much where – you know, I did something below the board, but um, they uh, – you could get on them. They could and, take it. Hey, you're better than that. <laughs> you know, uh, look, tomorrow we uh, we got a big game on Monday. Let's let's make sure we don't stay out too late this weekend. Hey, they're going to get as much rest as I got yeah. because they wanted it as bad as I did. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, – you know, thinking back on it, that was really cool. Well, you know, they, they definitely – kind of set a bar and stuff and then um you know a couple couple years down the road you, you get another team that gets back into playing for a state championship what are some of your memories about that 1997 team that stand out to you about those guys <clears throat> we um had two real good players in well two superstars in casey stone and brad jackson mm-hmm. who went on and made their mark on the college level but then we had seven, eight, nine other kids, depending on how the lineup played out that day, that were really overachievers, mm-hmm. that uh, up their game, um, would do anything in the world to help Abbeville win, mm-hmm. whether it meant uh, them playing, them getting a bunt down, them taking the extra base, them capitalizing on an error, um, just, you know, that was another close-knit group that um, Brad and Casey yeah. led. And uh, there were some games that we pulled out because our will was better than the opponents. We simply didn't want to lose. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, those guys, I was real close with those guys yeah. too. I guess 
Casey was the only common denominator on the 94 and 97 mm-hmm. team because he started as a freshman for us. Yeah. Um, so he was just – he was a unique player in the sense of he pl- he was one of those guys uh, – and you had another one we're going to talk about in a little bit the same way, but he was one of those guys. He played way bigger than his stature and his frame was. He did. And he was talking about competitive now. That's right. The stage was never too big. Oh, no. And I think he proved that when – when he got to Clemson because Coach Leggett told me several times, you know, we gave him an opportunity, but I never would have thought he would have started for us yeah. so early. But, you know, he just he just did so many things well. Yeah. And his hand-eye was off the chart, and he ran so well. And yeah. he just slapped the ball all over the park. And then when he got on, that was just the beginning of the battle because right. he could wreak havoc on the pitcher by – uh, everybody tightened up, and uh, and Brad know, was along the same lines. He was ultra competitive. He was bigger yeah. stature. He came from that left-handed side, and Brad was could a, overpower people real easy too. Brad was a state player of the year in all classifications that year. Um, seemed like he had twelve or thirteen wins. Um, drove in like fifty runs. Mm. Had like 25 doubles, hit a handful of home runs, and uh, you know batted like 505 or 506. And uh, his ERA was under one. He threw five or six one hitters. And the thing about Brad, there were some nights you say, well, he 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 threw a one hitter, so he was dominant. Well, there were some nights where he threw a one hitter and struck out 16, and there were some times where he threw a one hitter and struck out one. Yeah. You know, so we had to make every play behind him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he he was just, uh, once again, um, you know, the the same adjective is that competitiveness. Yeah. You know, he just uh, was going to give it to you, you know, he every night out. And then, and then you go to um, uh, this team in 2000. I always have really, really fond memories of them as well. Um, because I got a chance to get it really close to a lot of those kids um, when they were playing, um, but you know you had a guy like Josh Lee who was just a just a beast, uh, another lefty who could just seem like he could throw a triple header. In he, the really day. Could. he really could. <laughs> and he he kind of was that he was your engine of the of that team. That's that, right. That kept y'all going. <clears throat> Filled the strike zone up. Um, Sometimes you just have to try, you know, I'd have to talk to him. Josh, it'd be good if you threw a ball every now and then because people, you know, people get so comfortable in there. You know, he'd just just fill it up. And I decided that we were only going to throw him on Fridays and one time a week. And he came to me and said, Coach, I'm I'm struggling a little bit. He said, I'm better when I can throw twice a week. Mm-hmm. So uh, we start we started him on Tuesday and Friday. And the old phrase, rubber arm, he truly had a rubber arm. You know, he uh, he just would fill the strike zone up, very seldom walked anybody. Didn't have a great pickoff move as a lefty, but he could bluff you into thinking that he did. Uh, you know, he... Um, he wouldn't throw you a strike if you were a free swinger. Uh, he just really knew how to pitch mm. and uh, had a good curveball, developed the change, had a sneaky fastball. That if you were looking for those other two, he could throw it by you. But, uh, you know, he just um, you know, had that big heart too. Mm. You know, he wanted to compete, and he knew we were pretty good around him. The other thing about that team um, – that year, I probably didn't complain about the purple stuff blooming because we sw- hit it. we swung it from the first game to the last. Mm-hmm. We hit 390 as a team. I remember John Botts hit like 415 or 420 in the nine hole. That's what I was going to say. I always ta- I always call them the sandwich lineup because at the top of the sandwich, the top bun was Jonathan Myers, absolutely, who was one of your best, one of your better leadoff hitters that you ever had, in, in the same kind of semblance of. Uh, of Casey was, he was just a guy who could get on base. He made contact. He didn't walk a lot. Hated to walk. That's right. But then here's John Botts in the number nine spot, and you're thinking, hey. That's right. It's not your typical nine <coughs> spot. And yeah. that, there was not a week. You could not maneuver around that lineup. That's really. right. It was really pick your poison. Yep. And you're right. It started with Myers. Man, he was, uh, you know, he was, he was just, a bulldog, man. Yeah, he was a dynamic little player. And uh, I think he still – 
hit 11 home runs that year, still holds the school record for that. And I don't know some of the some of the older guys, um, you know, talk about the bat dimensions. I don't care what Jonathan Myers could hit with anything. Yeah. And uh, you know, he hit with power. He was truly a five-tool guy. You know, he could run, throw, feel, hit, and hit with power. He could do it all. Mm-hmm. And um, just set the tone. We, he probably was. Uh, they say your best hitter should hit in the three hole. We batted him lead off because we wanted to get him up there more. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, he was a, a tremendous little player. Went on, had a real good career at Lander. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, probably could have played Division One, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, a little small in stature, but he wasn't small in heart. Uh-uh. You know, he, really, he was a warrior. He and that really team was, was. That, like you said, that was probably the most fun I had. Uh, we were doing the radio at the time. That was probably the most fun I had calling baseball because there weren't going to be any one-run games uh, from from the offensive That's side right. of things. That's right. It had to take somebody That's who right. was really, really dominant on the mound to kind of keep them off balance because they found ways to score and had a lot of speed on that team yeah. as well. Uh, Boo Boo Donaldson was uh, oh, man. was lightning once he get on base and stuff. So uh, I thought that was probably that was probably the one team that was the most fun for me to watch in person. They really were. Probably was you know our best offensive lineup. Um, you know, I don't guess I'll ever forget Chuck Ellis hitting the walk-off home run in the right. upper state championship down here to send us to the state championship. And the West Oak team that we beat, their top two players, their top two pitchers, one of them ended up pitching for the Cincinnati Reds and the other one punted for the San Francisco 49ers. So, right. you know, they crazy. were tremendous athletes. And uh, But that was – that was a fun group to be around, uh, and a lot of those guys are still around town. Yeah. Still see them quite often, and that's real cool. Um, real quick, I want to talk to you about just you know, like I said, I, I'm sure we'll miss somebody, but I, I just think of people that pop in my head, so I just I'm, I'm spitting them out. There's some other guys that have come along in the program, obviously that uh, that you had a chance to. Come. I think about Russell Collier. Um, I, I, I'm I'm still <coughs> old enough to remember Russell and and the kind of swagger that he brought. Uh, to your team. What what are your fondest memories about Russell? Russell was a great kid, tremendously strong, um, probably didn't realize how strong he was. He was about 6'4", 230, 235. Um, He's a big guy. He was the first player we ever had taken in the pro draft, and Mm -hmm. I can remember um, they would send out the questionnaires back there, and, you know, as a coach, you're wondering, do do you have a prospect? Do you send a guy in? And I talked to some scouts and they said, you know, if you think a guy that you think can play, send him in. And mm-hmm. Russell was the first guy I guess I sent in to all the teams in the majors and just about all of them uh, followed up on it. I can remember um, a, a real funny story. We had about uh, six or eight teams. They asked me, they said, "Is when is the best time that we can come to Abbeville, South Carolina and try him out in your stadium and not draw a crowd? And I said, probably on church time <laughs> on Sunday. Yeah. And so that's when we planned it. And we had uh, eight or 10 guys. I, I remember going to pick Russell up at his house took him got a biscuit and trying to brief him on you know yeah. what they were going to do and i i can remember telling him um they're going to give you an eye test in the locker room and then take you down and let you get loose time you in the 60 and uh i'm probably going to get lost until they want you to hit and then if they want me to throw to you mm-hmm. i will i said but you don't get but one chance to make a first impression. Right. I don't know if anybody's ever told you this, but look them in the eye, give them a firm handshake. Yeah. He said, yes, sir. So later on, when I got down there, they were taking a break, and, and the scouts walked over to me and said, Coach said, you're right, He's, uh, he, he runs really well. We're looking forward to see him hit. He's really strong, and I think Pittsburgh Pirate scouts said, Man, you're not lying. He almost broke my hand when we shook hands. Said he brought me to my knees. I said, "Well, that's my fault." Yeah. He's probably pumped up a little bit, and yeah. I told him to give you a firm handshake. And that guy was still shaking his hand. He said, "Well, I'm glad you throwing, Coach, because I don't believe I could." But uh, you know, Russell uh, was really a good player, and 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 kind of was one of those guys 
during that time, he and Brandon Thompson, Carrie Murphy, Johnny White, Walter Jackson, Franklin Ramey, those guys yeah. came through and, and we had a real good team and they uh they put us on the map. Yeah. We won the They first. were kind of that found that's one right. of the foundation that's teams. Right. You had a lot of foundation players, but that that I remember those guys together too. They were they put us man, on the map. some talent right there. Won our first region championship and, and you know made a nice run in the playoffs and and from then on, um, every year when they compiled the top ten double-A baseball teams in the state, we were always in the conversation. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that team with Russell and those guys really got us going. I want you to um, I want you to talk a little bit about some of the guys who kind of branched off from you because they've they've had have some great success here. Um, guys like Daniel Little, who's with Landrum now, and uh, did a great job while he was at Latta. And then um, uh, Mac Hyde, I believe, is at Strom Thurmond now. Has done a great job there. What does it mean for you personally? Uh, it's got to give you a lot of pleasure and pride to see those guys. Uh, and, and I may have missed some, but those guys just stick out to me right away. Because they're recent. Yeah, they're recent. And yeah. the guys that have had some other ones as well. What What does it mean? What kind of satisfaction do you get from seeing guys that you've seen come up and then get that, go out there and do what you that you've had the privilege to do? Yeah, it's really cool when somebody follows you into your profession. And, um, you know, those guys, they were field rats. I mean, when, when I opened the gate, they were there. Mm -hmm. um, I know Mac and Daniel started with me as little managers or bat boys. Yeah. And, you know, during the game, you'd hear balls being thrown up against the dugout. And I might have to call them around there because they were always playing, always around it, mm -hmm. always running foul balls, catching pop flies, um, and, and always so hungry to learn. Mm -hmm. They were always there for all of our camps, came up through the camp, then instructed in the camp. And uh, I can remember Mac and Daniel both telling me at seven or eight years old, Coach, I want to be a baseball coach one day. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, hopefully uh, not too many bad habits rubbed off on them. I'm, I'm sure there were some where I let them down. But, uh, you know, you, you look back fondly on those times when they were with you. And uh, you can look out there and see them kind of leading their guys in the same way that I tried to lead ours. Yeah. And, uh, you know, where... Uh, hustle never slumps. Yeah. You know, that's oh, and one they're thing. super competitive. That's too. right. And uh yeah. and they get after it and the proof's been in the pudding for them. Uh you know, we've you know had some other guys. Matt Huntsberger was a head baseball coach at ninety six. Yeah. Really successful. Um and he was that same kind of guy. Uh talented, overachiever, uh just will his way to play the game the right mm -hmm. way. And uh you know, I, uh, I guess the to pay those guys the, the ultimate compliment. Um, I knew they were going to be successful in whatever they did, but when they when they chose to teach and coach, mm -hmm. um, you know, I was really humbled by that. Yeah, um, and like you said, you've had so many great kids that come along, guys that now you get to to see a lot of their talent. You know, a lot of their kids that have so much great talent too now getting out there and playing and stuff like that. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about, real quick, and I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball here. When I think about, you know, the one thing about AA sports in general is we've had so many realignments of conferences, and we've had, you know, various conference shakeups and, and different conference listings and stuff. But, you know, during the kind of that, that period of time where you guys were really – really um kind of out there and like you said up there high in the rankings and stuff like that there were some teams that we had some really good rivalries with talk, talk to me about some of the teams that that you remember that that you knew like because i you talked about west curly i remember we had some really super competitive games with them wahala when we were in that kind of the old skyline that's right kind of region um but you know obviously emerald some other teams that came along as well what were some of the rivalry memories yeah, the, that stood out? The one that, that really jumps out to me is uh, the Chapin and Mid-Carolina games. Oh, man, Chapin, yeah. And, you know, Chapin's 5A now. Yeah. And you think back to when, you know, <laughs> we're in the same region. As a matter of fact, 
Chapin two years ago won the 5A state baseball championship. Yeah. So they've continued to be good. Um, we always felt like during those times, you know, it was us in Batesburg. Phil Strickland mm-hmm. was the baseball coach at Batesburg. He used to tell me when we'd go out, um, they had a lefty that went on playing college. We were gonna send Brad out there. He'd say, why don't we just go ahead and flip a coin? Somebody's going to win two to one or one to nothing. <laughs> yeah. And we could save three hours of mm-hmm. our lives if we just go ahead and flip a coin. And most of the time he was right. Chapin, yeah. um, just uh, unbelievably competitive. All those guys played the game the right way. But we always felt like if we could come out of that region, we could play with anybody. And it just prepared you for the wars because it was a war night in and night out. And I think our kids did such a good job of accepting that. Mm-hmm. Very seldom, you know, I, uh, they knew I hated excuses and I wouldn't let them make excuses. Right. Um, so they were going to be ready to play and they had to because yeah. Chapin, Mid-Carolina, Batesburg, 96, West Oak and Walhalla when we were with those, they could beat anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Coach Bott said, I don't care how many A's they got beside their <laughs> name. You know, they could they could beat anybody. And baseball is a sport where, you know, it's really immaterial what classification you play in. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were, golly, some, I mean, I can think back to some nights where <laughs> came down, guys got clutch, walk-off hits. or uh, But usually, just like in the World Series, there was some unsung guy that you weren't really counting on that got a tremendous bunt down mm-hmm. and they threw it away, or he made a great defensive yeah. play, or he came on um, and gave us two or three innings of uh, real solid pitching relief, yeah. you know, just uh, so, you know, like I said, there were there were different heroes every night. Mm-hmm. And you, you obviously, you, you had a lot of, guys that came along and were coaching along with you and that you had great respect for. But I can't not talk to you and not talk about Coach Ed Taylor, who was with Walhalla. He, he ended up becoming one of your best friends and um, great, great games that we had with them. But just being around you guys before a game, just sitting there and talking and hearing stories, that was some of my favorite stuff when we were covering you guys on the radio is just hearing y'all get into conversations about – players and stuff because there was no limits there's no boundaries just like here we go and, right. and talking about <clears throat> stories and stuff what what and, and i'm and i'm sure there's many more but he he always stood out to me as a guy not only did you have great respect for but you just you just truly had a good friendship absolutely and still do um we probably talk uh via social media or calling one another um at least on a weekly basis. Uh, here lately, I've been able to send him some pictures of some turkeys that yeah. I've killed. He hadn't killed one, so I, I got yeah, a leg up on him there so I can pick at so him. So you still at it, so you still managing. We, we, we still <laughs> at it. A, a mutual friend that we had, got at Palmetto that would uh, won over 500 games, Roger Finley. Mm. He's in failing health and he lives relatively near Coach Taylor and Coach Taylor keeps me updated on uh, the progress of Coach Finley, and uh, but we knew we were fixing to engage in seven innings and maybe more of a heated battle, but never let that come between our friendship. He probably was in my dugout more before the game <laughs> than I was talking to my guys, yeah. and uh, you know, I, and all my players speak so fondly of him because he had such great sense of humor. Yeah. Oh, and, man, uh, he was funny as heck. Yeah. I can remember taking a team up there for a spring break tournament and had Vernon Walton and um, Tony Terry and those guys on that team. And when you came in, there was a line of buses because there were several teams playing up there at the time. And I backed the bus in, and Coach Taylor was hiding behind the bus. And when I got off the bus, he jumped me before I could get off. He had me in a bear hug. But before he took two steps, Vernon Walton and Tony Terry were on top of him and had him down on the ground. And he said, whoa, guys. And I had to turn around and pull them off because they had yet to meet. Coach Taylor, Taylor. Wow. they ended up being close, but that's just one of uh, a bunch <laughs> of stories featuring featuring the legendary Ed Taylor because that's what he is. He would have some very colorful 
and creative conversations with umpires. I'll, I'll leave it at that. But it was they were pure joy. And, and the, uh, we, I remember me and Wayne were so tempted to pull our microphones back to kind of try to get it. And then we was like, eh, we better not. But it was just it was classic stuff. It's like classic. everything you've seen in a movie or a TV That's show. Right. It came to fruition because when he came out of that dugout, I was like, oh, man, this is gold. This is gold. <laughs> yeah, his line that an umpire told him one night, Coach Taylor, you know you can't argue balls and strikes. And he said, I ain't arguing nothing but balls because you ain't calling no strikes. <laughs> I think that's the best one I've ever heard. That's right. <laughs> and he was and he was relentless, too. And, and, and again, just, you know, like you said, you, you had the opportunity to, to keep that friendship with him and so many other coaches along the way. Um, and now even former players. Yeah. You know, Eddie Ford, my son Tucker, uh, Mac Height, they'll call me and say, hey, I ran into Coach Taylor at yeah. a Clemson game or I ran into him so-and-so. And just, uh, you know, it wasn't just with me. He was uh, uh, reached out to our players and, you know, his his personality was so infectious that, uh, you know, he was, he was just a, a blast to – uh, call a friend. Yeah. And you, you had the opportunity, as like I said, to really have, I call a full career. You know, I, obviously I think, like you said, there was, there was a couple of games where a different pitch here, a different signal here, something here changes history a little bit. But That's right. I, re- I think you really could say you had a really full career uh, coaching baseball. And we hadn't even got into football conversation. We'll have to save that for another day. But, um, you know, when you go to a game now, I always – well, when I helped Tim coach, my brother Tim coach softball, I remember when I kind of stepped away because I was focusing on spending time with the family and raising the kids and stuff. And it took me a year or so to really kind of get cut off from not being a coach and just watching the game. Still watching it as from a coaching perspective, but just to watch it differently. Did it take – was it an easy transition – to step away or did it take you a little bit of time to get well around here it's been an easy transition in the fact that uh, coach Nick Milford was my assistant and you know he has encouraged me to come around Mm -hmm. and come to practice and get my fix and hey coach I hadn't seen you in a while won't you stop by just been so inviting Mm -hmm. Um, and that tells you all you need to know about him, what a great guy he is, and that our baseball program is in great hands with him. But as far as walking up to the fence to the game and thinking um, this guy's getting tired, probably need to go out there and get him, or I bet he's going to bunt here, or uh, just the strategy part of the game, it's been hard. It's hard to sit back and just watch a game. Mm -hmm. Even at home sometimes – uh, just in pitch selection in between pitches, my son Tucker will say, are you throwing the slider right here? And I'm, I'm looking at him like, Tuck, come on. I, I'm trying to just watch the game and enjoy it as a fan. And uh, But he's, you know, getting all strategic on me. So that part has been hard. Yeah. I don't think um, – until I'm in a nursing home one day that I'll ever get away, sure. you know, get away from that. And, you know, it's just like football. It's, it's hard to look at a football game and, well, they're in an odd stack or they're in a 3-4 mm-hmm. or something, and you automatically start thinking, well, this is how we would attack it. Yeah. And uh, you do the same thing in baseball. But, uh, you know, baseball is a little slower, so – you know, you got time to spit between pitches and eat a peanut and <laughs> holler at somebody you hadn't seen in a while or holler at an umpire. Yeah. That's just, uh, you know, it's just, that's what makes it a grand old game. Well, and football, going back to that, football and baseball seasons were fluid. I mean, they literally flowed right into each other. That's right. More or less. That's right, yeah. So and you didn't uh, really have much time to kind of that's right. kick and it back. You were right into it. When I first started coaching, I coached JV and varsity football JV and help coach Jameson with varsity basketball and then JV and varsity baseball. And, uh, you know, I I think uh, the wimpy me now looks back on those days like, how did I do it? But it really wasn't a chore because, you know, I loved loved all of it. Um, I really enjoyed coaching basketball. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we – Well, you had a great – Had to have time to raise a family and – Listen, that that, that – I could sit here and compliment you all day on a lot of things, but 
your your jump shot is very underrated because a lot of people <laughs> didn't get a chance to see it in public. But I happened to be at many uh, experiences in, in gymnasiums where I saw the jumper and I saw the transition and I saw how you ran the court untouched man i mean it's just just pure goal to watch you play basketball and, and be be what you were with that but um uh, again a lot a lot to celebrate a lot to be thankful for and obviously you know your family uh has been there right there with you and um you know you, you talked about your mom and your dad I, I remember how sweet your mom was and how she made such a priority to be there for for so many of your games even when maybe she didn't have really good health at times she still found a way and uh, she was always just one of those fixtures that I always remembered as well. And uh, I'm sure you remember for you as well. Absolutely. She was she was my number one fan in her eyes. I've never made a poor decision. <laughs> I've never been in an argument with an umpire when he wasn't wrong. Right. Um, so, yeah, she, uh, like I said, she went to more games than she ever signed up for. My dad was uh, uh, literally a tremendous living, breathing role model for me to follow and see how to do things. Although the only thing he knew about athletics was his son enjoyed playing them. Yeah. And uh, after all these years, I'm glad, you know, he was that way. And then my family now, uh, my wife, Sherry, who, by the way, was on kind of a Hall of Fame softball coaching mm-hmm. path yeah. um, when we started having babies and, and yeah. she got out and then yeah. – uh, the college boys took it over and has continued to carry that on. Um, Tucker and Emiliana uh, just been absolute blessings. Uh, you're right. What more could a guy ask for? I've had a tremendous career. It's been really good, and it's been it's been amazing to sit here and talk to you. And like I told you before we started, I said, you know, I look here at the clock, and we're 50 minutes in, and I feel like we had another 50 minutes in us. But I want us I want us to get back together, uh, maybe later on, we can do some football conversations because we got great stories, obviously, and great memories from football, and lots of things that we can talk about from that. And certainly, we hope uh, you and I being probably on the flag bearers for this, we hope that we can get back to some some semblance of normalcy with our sports. And, and be able to find a way to make it work as we, we kind of get out of this uh, pandemic situation. Absolutely, Lee. Really looking forward to it. Football, I think, is next on the agenda. But you're awful nice to invite me and uh, to say all those kind words. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you. And hopefully um, to be bring bring back some good memories for some folks as they get a, get a chance to listen to this. And, and obviously, as I said, you know, we'll get together here. Uh, down the road again and and talk some football. But it has been great to talk to Coach Mark Smith. Uh, South Carolina Baseball Hall of Fame. uh, Great, great, uh, much-deserved honor and uh, one of the all-time greats. And, uh, again, thank you for everything that you have done, not only to support myself and my family, encourage us, but just for the town of Abbeville, the community of Abbeville. So many guys, as you said, uh, forever uh, influenced by you, and, and I think that's just such a cool thing. Well, I really appreciate it. It's been easy to do. Abbeville has uh, been a blessing in my life. Like I said, I came here at the right time, um, had tremendous kids, and uh, anything we've ever endeavored to do baseball or football-wise, this community has been over backwards to help us and uh, just could never repay them. Well, thank you again for taking the time, and I uh, look forward to uh, to being with you again. I look forward to uh, sharing another podcast here real soon with everyone. Hope everyone stays safe, stay strong out there. Uh, remember to encourage and love each other, lift each other up, not tear each other down, and uh, we look forward to, to some brighter and better days to come. We'll talk to you soon.